Hello, everybody. Welcome to what is now the closest thing to the Hockey News Podcast. It's Matt Larkin here from his house. It's Ryan Kennedy from his house. It's Ken Campbell from his house. Like all the rest of y'all, we're in isolation. And we figured, hey, we got nothing else to do. We're home. So we may as well do a podcast. That said, there's a disclaimer. If you hear any noise in the background, it might be some of our children. So we apologize. That's just the way life is right now. So uh, I haven't seen these guys in person for a while. It's good to see their faces. Ryan and Ken, uh, for starters, just tell me what you're up to. I want to hear just, are you doing all the same stuff that I'm doing, trying to stay sane? Ryan, start with you. What are you up to these days, my friend? Well, when I'm not working, I'm playing Nintendo Switch. Uh, I have almost beaten Super Mario U Deluxe, even though it just arrived at our house about five or six days ago. Uh, Watched all of Tiger King, and now we are watching all of Barry. So... uh, Lots of screens. That's that's basically it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what about you, Kenny boy? Are you surviving? Oh, you know, just trying to keep it real. Just trying to keep it real. I'm uh, trying to stay home and isolate and only go out when I have to. I try to go out for a run once a day and and uh, I've got some weights at home, so I'm able to, to keep, uh, keep a bit of a workout thing going. So that's been good. And uh, I've actually been watching a um, documentary, Ken Burns documentary on the Vietnam War. Uh, highly recommended. Highly, highly recommended. So that's that's kind of what I do when I'm not uh, when I'm not uh, working, and I'm working actually on a project with um, with uh, a fellow by the name of Jack Ferguson, who uh, who's the uh, who is a longtime scout for the OHL, and actually it, the award for the top prospect is named the Jack Ferguson Award, and he and I are actually working on uh, his memoirs, uh, sort of chipping away at that too. So keeping busy. Excellent, Kenny. I like a, I like the decor in that room. I feel, I feel like if I were to visit you in that room right now, you'd give me, you'd hand me a bowl with Werther's Originals. <laughs> or opium. Yeah, it's a little, yeah, exactly. That's how we roll around here. Yeah, apparently, apparently, yeah. Uh, is there an obus form on that chair, too, maybe? Yeah. No, no, there's not, and I don't need one. Thanks. Do people still have obus forms, or did I just date myself? Are they still a thing? I, I don't know. I think they are. I think they are. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, I'm doing mostly the same stuff as you guys, but with a three-year-old at home, uh, all the, all the, like, you know, I'm getting all this time to work out and learn a new skill and binge this. And I'm just like, I'm like, what? No, I, I am lucky if I even get to go to the bathroom by myself, nice. uh, especially with a wife who works in the hospital. Uh, so I'm just, I'm grinding, man. I'm grinding. I am finding time to binge at night. So I'm binging right now. I'm binging kingdom, which is, says a lot about me. I'm watching a zombie outbreak show right now. Mm. Yes. I don't know. Maybe it's cathartic. It's fantastic. We really good. It's, it's like, yes, it's excellent. It's like game of Thrones crossed with walking dead. I highly recommend it. It's outstanding. I, I'm going to dare say that tiger King slightly overrated. I watched it all. It was crazy, but I wanted a little more of a resolution. I'm not going to, well, that maybe that, that's a slight spoiler, but uh, I don't know. Good. Didn't yeah, blow see, me. I've heard, I've heard that it's, it's good, but it's not great. That it's just actually crazy. And that's what makes it so compelling. Mm-hmm. I haven't watched a second of it. My, my mm-hmm. son, my, my 20 year old son was watching it and, and he was sort of regaling me on how absolutely insane it is. Yeah. But other than that, great. I mean, I guess it's just shock factor, right? I don't know. And you have to go in, 
I mean, now if you start watching it, you're going to have super high expectations, but you know, like I watched it last week when things were people are just starting to watch it and you get all the shocks that you're like, you're not expecting them. You're not expecting it to be so crazy, but now you would have to, it would would be like if you watched game of Thrones now, you know, expecting it to be like, the greatest thing ever. And I mean, Game of Thrones is one of the better shows ever, but you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. If only it stuck the landing. Uh, and Steven <laughs> chimes in from the chat, producer Steven saying he agrees about Tiger King. So we're going to talk a little hockey. Uh, and I want to put a disclaimer out there first. And I've done this even in my own articles over the last week or so that, you know, it goes without saying that, that sports are trivial right now. And we know that but within that context. So by talking about hockey, by forecasting, potential season changes, formats, other scenarios. We're not trying to be overly optimistic. We're not trying to minimize what's happening in the world. We're just taking a moment to get a break from all the sadness and craziness to fantasize about hockey coming back. So I I think, I hope that people understand to take it in context. Uh, And with that, I have a question for you guys. Um, Looking at the season shutdown, which happened on March 12th, which team do you think deserves the most sympathy. And what I mean is, which team do you think was hurt the most, had the most momentum? Who are you saddest for in a purely hockey context? We'll start with you, Kenny, this time. Well, you know, I mean, I don't think there's going to be a lot of people who agree with me on this, but I'm going to pick the Boston Bruins. Um, You know, they were in first place overall, uh, you know, tracking to win the president's trophy. Uh, Were seven and three in their last 10. You know, really didn't have any point of this season where they, you know, a lot of teams kind of went for dips and then were back hot. Like these guys were good all year. Uh, They were getting great production from a lot of people. And, you know, I mean, I I think they were really on track to, to really seriously contend to get back to the final and to win the Stanley cup this time. And, and, you know, depending on how this whole thing unfolds uh, personally, I think, I think the season's going to be done, but um and there will be no Stanley Cup this year. And, and if that happens, um, you know, I really feel for those guys because this might have been their year to maybe, you know, make that, make that run to the final and, and make it right in the final. And I think they had a very good chance of doing that. And Ryan, uh, where do you land on that one? Well, I look at the New York Rangers as a team that was gaining in the wild card race. Igor Shosturkin was – fantastic in net they kind of figured out the crease it it was awkward you know because Henrik Lundqvist has been an icon for that franchise for so long but Shesterkin has turned out to be the real deal and you know they they had some bad injuries but I mean they were they were getting there they were coming together you were getting a career year from Anthony D'Angelo on the blue line you know Panarin was everything they expected and, and maybe a little bit more and I think if there hadn't been a stoppage, we would have seen a continuation of that solid play. And, and maybe they would have made a, a surprise playoff run. But now it's obviously uh, all in doubt. And, I mean, momentum's a tricky thing. So even if hockey did come back and, and even if there was more of a regular season, I'm not sure these would be the same Rangers as they were, you know, a month ago. Especially Mika Zibanejad, who was just on one of the hottest runs I've ever seen 
Uh, I think those are both fire, yeah. yeah, Unbelievable. I like both those picks. For Ken's perspective, especially thinking, you know, has Zdeno Chara played his last game? We have no idea, right? He's 43 now. And from Ryan's perspective, what I'm thinking is if we ever got in a scenario where there was a play-in tournament uh, or or a scenario where there was a lottery tournament for the bottom teams, uh, I think the Rangers would have been the team to beat just the way they were playing down the stretch. They're as good as anybody. Um, the team I pick is another team that had really hit its stride and won 9 of 10, had won 14, 14 out of 18, the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, and that's someone I think a lot of us were high on them going into the season, thinking they were going to make a run. Um, even though Nolan Patrick, the migraines, of course, have taken out his whole season. Kevin Hayes coming in to really solidify the center depth and the defensive additions, Justin Braun, Matt Niskanen, and bringing in Alain Vigneault. Alain Vigneault as a head coach. It's completely transformed the defense into what we always thought it was going to be. And we're seeing Ivan Provorov got back to his Norris Trophy form and Travis Sanheim now really settling in. Philippe Myers, um, of course, some of those guys had some injuries. Myers, the kneecap. Uh, but I think we were seeing Philly realize its potential. It went from almost the worst defensive team in the league last year to one of the best this year. And Carter Hart was really starting to get hot in net. So you were seeing all that potential kind of come to fruition. And even Travis Konechny breaking out as a legitimate star this year. So it's interesting. I, I do feel bad for the Flyers. At the same time, if the NHL does come back, some of their injury problems, uh, especially you know Patrick's migraines, could be resolved. So maybe there's a silver lining. James Van Riemsdyk was hurt as well. But just for a team that, you know, has been sputtering, really inconsistent for the last, you know, close to a decade, I think they are really starting to build themselves into a legit contender. They're one point behind Washington in the Metro, and then, boom, they lose that momentum. Uh, and that was something that I, I – I, well, I got my question through, and they asked it to Claude Giroux uh, on the, the Zoom call that the NHLers did last week. And he said, you know, all we can do is try and stay positive and not really think too far ahead because it's true. We don't know what the scenario is going to be. Uh, so to flip that question, who, who do you think is going to benefit in a scenario? So again, maybe it's the season coming back in September. Maybe it's November. Maybe it doesn't. But if, if this season resumes within, you know, three months, five months, whatever it is, it's still the 2019-20 season, which team do you think would benefit the most from that? So this time we'll start with you, Ryan. I'm going to go with the Toronto Maple Leafs. You know, when things ended – they were missing their top two defensemen and they were going to be without Morgan Riley uh, in particular for, for quite a while. And then Jake Muzzin was also hurt. So now you figure both of those guys could be back. So you get your top two defensemen back in the lineup. You know, Frederick Anderson has been inconsistent all season. However, with all this time off, maybe he resets mentally and maybe he gets that edge back because we've seen him go on big hot streaks. And if the season should return, it's, it's not going to be for long. So you're going to look at a, a goaltender like that. If, if he can get hot, then you're in good shape. I also think, you know, I, not that I'm an expert or anything, but with a long layoff, it seems to me you would want a team whose best players are younger. It, it feels like they would bounce back quicker. And if you look at Toronto's best players, Austin Matthews, William Nylander, Mitch Marner, they're all young guys. I, f I feel like they could hit the ice running a little easier than some veteran players that are, you know, north of 30 might be on, on other teams. So I, I think the Leafs would be in a great position um, because they, they kind of got a break there. It, things were looking kind of dicey uh, just for their playoff chances in general. 
Um, but I think at this point, if the NHL should come back, they'd be in a, a much better situation. Okay, good choice. And uh, for anyone watching this, I, I apologize. I don't know where to look. So, like, when Ryan's yeah. talking, do I look at his face or do I just stare into this camera? I know I stare at the camera when I talk. Yeah. I, I'm looking at you when Ryan's talking, so it doesn't matter. I just don't know what to do. Yeah, that's true. Maybe that's narcissistic. It's a whole new world for us. Yeah, it really is. It really is Mr. Werther's original. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> Kenny, who do you, who's your pick for the same question? Uh, I'm going to go with the Carolina Hurricanes. I think that uh, of the four um, wildcard teams that were kind of ensconced in the, those places, I think that Caroline, Carolina was by far the best of them. Um, and uh, they, were, they were trending in a good direction. Uh, a lot of good things happening. And, and I think, too, um, you know, I, I'm not sure you'd be able – if their defense was healthy, I'm not sure there's a, a team in the league that has a better – all-around defense core than these guys. I mean, Dougie Hamilton, in, in if none of this had happened, would have been coming back probably, you know, around now um, from his injury. Um, Sammy Vatnin hadn't even played for Carolina after the trade deadline. He was hurt. You have to assume that he'd be healthy at some point very soon. And even Brett Pesci, who, you know, I mean, let's say it comes back in July. Well, he's four to six months. So four months is like July. So you know, I mean, if, 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 the, if you know, if the, they can salvage this thing and say the playoffs are in August and September, maybe Brett Pesci's back for the playoffs as well. Mm -hmm. um, and with those guys and the defensemen that they have, uh, I'm not sure that there's a, a better all-round top to bottom, number one through eight defense core in the entire league than, than these guys. Yeah, I agree. I think you're absolutely right there. Uh... It's interesting. My pick, it's kind of the opposite of Ryan's logic, even though I think he makes a good argument. Mine is sort of thinking of a veteran team that could benefit from the rest. Uh, I mean, within reason. If it's too long of a rest, maybe not. But I look at the Pin Pittsburgh Penguins, um, you know, three guys that I think are always better off when they get a little bit of rest, especially Evgeny Malkin and, and Chris Letang. Crosby, Sidney Crosby, not necessarily, but I think, you know, just keeping him in bubble wrap is not the worst thing for him now that he's in his 30s. Uh, so I think that all three of those guys might benefit from a bit of rest. Uh, but most importantly, it's Jake Gunsel, who I think Jim Rutherford in the last week had even said that now he's on track where we're basically at any point now, if the playoffs were to arrive even in a month, which they won't, but he's reached the point where he'll be ready when the playoffs come back, back from that shoulder injury. And we've already seen Brian Rust have a crazy breakout season. Jason Zucker now added via trade has really brought something. And then getting Gunsel back, who's been just a demon in the playoffs, we know, uh, I think, puts Pittsburgh in a much more dangerous position. So they're a team to me that would benefit from having that time, that injury recovery time, especially just because it's, it's a yearly tradition. Getting Malkin always gets to sit out some games. So it's kind of, it might feel like normal to him, or at least it did for the first month. Um, so let's talk about the, the, the resumption of the season itself. Uh, it's sort of a, it's a hotly contested topic. Everyone has a different idea, different pitch. And as I've learned even on Twitter this morning, sometimes even just bringing it up, it gets people angry. They don't want to even have the hope that comes with talking about it. Um, but I think it's okay to just talk about potential scenarios. So give me your pitch. If you're Gary Batman right now and Bill Daly putting together a format, um, tell me how you see the NHL resuming, uh, if you see it resuming. What's your idea? What would you like to see? So Kenny, we'll start with you. Well, like, I'm, I'm going to say, let's go straight to the playoffs. 
Let's have a two-week training camp. Let's go straight to the playoffs. And the playoffs, sorry, guys, but the playoffs are based on points percentage at this point. So if you've played fewer games and you have a better points percentage like the Vancouver Canucks do, you get in and the Winnipeg Jets are out. Um, so, and you just play the playoff tournament as you would any other way, four best of seven series. Um, and, and you do that whenever it's permissible, which I guess we're assuming at some point will be best case scenario, maybe July or August. Um, I, like I said, I don't, I don't think it's coming back, but if, if it were to come back, that's, that's the way I would like to, to approach it. I'm not big on these play in games and, and, and having 24 teams, like be a good team, just be a good team, you know? And, and I know it, it, I know it penalizes teams that may have, you know, been hot and like the Rangers, like Ryan says, but I mean, these are extenuating circumstances and, and you should have played better leading up to this, in my opinion. Um, so I, I'd be just in favor of just going straight to uh, the playoffs, a couple of weeks for training camp, go straight to the playoffs. And I think, I think you would see maybe the best playoffs we've ever seen. I mean, with, um, you know, as we talked about, a lot of teams would be getting a lot of healthy bodies back. They'd be rested. Like when you go into the playoffs now, it's like, you know, it's a two month war of attrition, right? Well, you're starting fresh now. You're not coming off an 82 game season where you probably already banged up and you may have had to play like a bugger to get into the playoffs to start with and, or, or to chase a president's trophy or whatever. You're starting fresh. It's like game one of the regular, of the regular season. I think it would make for a great playoff. Okay. That sounds pretty interesting. Uh, give me Operation Kennedy now, Ryan. Yeah, I had much the same concept as can. I think that you go straight to the playoffs, you go by points percentage. My only wrinkle would be, I think you do the first round as a best of five. And the reason I say that is I, I think it's important that next season be as normal as possible and that players have as much off season as possible and again we don't know when it, it would even be possible to bring back hockey as, as Ken say maybe it's in July and that's why I think you go to a best of five in the first round you know the NBA used to do that it wasn't actually that long ago if I'm, if I'm not mistaken and I think that you get to the meet as, as, as soon as you can and I mean that just means that you have to be on right away you, you can't fall down to nothing you have to be on point and I think that'll sort of separate some teams and you, know, you it's probably a shortened off season but maybe you do something next year to mitigate that uh, whether it's with the all-star break or just you know the way games are scheduled maybe it's an 80 game schedule uh, instead of 82. I know that doesn't sound like a lot, but that's two back-to-backs that you don't have to play and that sort of thing. So that would be my proposal. Okay, good proposals. Um, it's weird. I, I take issue with the NHL. I think it was Bill Daly who was speaking about it, um, this desire to preserve the 2021 season in its entirety. It's not something I really understand, and I, I was tweeting about this today. And it's like, you know, if you look back at the legacy of the 94-95 season, no one says, oh, 
oh, Jock Lemire's Devils, they ended the neutral zone trap, but it didn't matter. It was a 48-game season. No one cares about that. No one says, oh, the Blackhawks, they had that dominant season. They stole that game six with the two crazy goals, Dave Bolland, that whole year, right? That was the shortened season, too, if I remember correctly, right? Yeah. Uh, and, no, again, no one, no one thinks, oh, boy, no, no, that was, that was a short year. It didn't count. No one cares. What people care about is that the Stanley Cup was awarded. It was a real season. It still counted. And – I think the season that people look back on with the most despair by far is 0405, the year that no hockey happened. And I think if we lose this season altogether and people look back on just, oh, I know we got all of next season, but we lost this whole year, I think that will hurt more. So what, I, what I'd like to see is uh, a proper resumption of the 2019-20 season, including playing out the schedule. The reason why I say play out the schedule is um, even players talked about this on the call last week. I think it was Nick Foligno who did on one of the calls. Uh, they need that preseason. So I agree with you, Kenny, the playoffs are going to be fantastic. But if you go right into the playoffs with no chance for guys to get their bodies into game shape, then they won't be fantastic. They'll be sluggish. So you need to almost play out the rest of the regular season like a preseason. And so the games are going to count, but they're also going to be sort of a warm-up. Uh, and even if it means we don't start this till the fall, let's say, you know, the season resumes in mid-September and uh, you're playing the playoffs in October, you're, hand you're handing out the Stanley Cup, maybe it's a shortened playoffs, I'm not sure what the format would be, but you hand out the Stanley Cup maybe by the end of 2020 and then maybe February 2021, you start a 48-game season. So you get a little off season of maybe a month or two during which you can have the draft. Some players can recover. You do free agency. It's not perfect, but at least you're going into a shortened season after that, 48 games. And then you get two years in a row in which we have a real champion, a real playoffs, a real Stanley Cup. And I think if you look at the legacy of the game, that's what people are going to care about the most, uh, even if it means waiting a long time to start it up. That's, that's where I land, at least. Uh, so sticking with this topic, now we've pitched what we want to do. What do you think will happen realistically um, just based on, it could be from your own speculation. It could be from who you've spoken to at the league, whatever you've been working on. Uh, just tell me what you think is going to be the realistic result right now. We'll start with uh, Kenny. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've been talking to a few people about this, but, but I don't think anybody really has a real idea of what's going to happen because it's so uncertain right now. Um, my, my, my gut feeling is that um that this is that, that we haven't seen the worst of this yet, at least in North America. Uh, I, I, I think, I think sooner or later, uh, all three sports are going to have to make a very difficult decision, especially basketball and hockey. And I, and I, and I, I don't think that, you know, I think that, that they're both going to start at the same, like all three are going to start at the same time. One's not going to start before any of the others. They're not going to go rogue. So um, I, I think that the NHL, NHL at some, NHL at some point, at some point is going forget about this season and cancel it um you know we've been talking to a lot of players and we've been talking to a lot of people and and they're rightly saying you know this is bigger than hockey this is bigger than you know we're building field hospitals in central park you know people are dying um you know i mean i mean i i i'm kind of torn because to bring sports back after this would be a very welcome diversion for people um, and it would be one thing to take their mind off all the tragedy and, and sort of upheaval that's been going on in the last couple of months. But it's also kind of myopic and, and a little bit selfish, I think, too, in a way. So I, I, I would not be adverse to just saying 2021, 
sorry, but it happened 101 years ago and it's going to happen again. And uh, I, I think that's the way it's going to go. Um, but I mean, uh, again, you know, we're not, we haven't even, we're not even seeing the light at the end of the tunnel yet here. So it's, I think it's really early to tell, but if I were to just sort of give my reading of the tea leaves, that's what I would say. Okay, Ryan, um, where do you land on this one? I feel based on just watching news coverage that the, there will not be a season, um, at least an end of this season. I, I think if there was a Stanley Cup, it would have to be played in an empty arena. Um, is there an appetite for that? I'm not sure. I suppose at the least everybody could be watching on TV and that would be something. Um, but I, I agree with Ken. I, I think that, you know, the, the long-term consequences of trying to force this through would be uh, so short-sighted. And, you know, if, it, if it's a safety issue, then you err on the side of caution and you come back in the fall when things are figured out, if they're figured out by that time. But I, I think you just, you just move on from this year. Yeah, I think those are pretty realistic scenarios. It's almost like, you know, before we can turn our brains back to sports, we have to figure, figure out saving the, the human race first. Um, what I do expect to happen is if you look at the pattern of the way society shut down leading into where we are now, I think the pattern coming out of it's going to be the reverse, right? So we had, you know, certain, certain countries getting the virus first, talk about will sports shut down. Then we had games with no no fans and then shut down. So I think going the opposite way, the first countries that got the virus, we're going to hear stories about them finally, we already are right in China, hearing stories about them starting to, to show some positive signs. And I think when sports come back, the first version we're going to get is what we got coming down into the rock bottom, which is uh, arenas with no fans. So maybe the NHL resumes in November, December, January, whatever it is, but I think it's going to resume with no fans at first. And by then maybe we have a quicker, uh, an easier to administer test where you could do something like you know everybody in the building takes a test before every game is played to make sure that they they don't have the virus and then they play the game or something you know, if we're if we're at a point where we're, we have a test that's that's that portable that quick to administer so i, I can see us easing back into it what's that kenny and not inexpensive. that would have to be an inexpensive test as well exactly so it's a matter of will we get there by then i'm not sure um then again sports leagues are usually you know they're the, they're the ones that have instant mris and you know Medically, I think they've never been one to, the ones to spare expense, right, for that kind of stuff. Uh, so I could see it easing back in that way. Maybe we get one full season of every sport with no fans, and then we, we don't get fans attending sports until, you know, the middle of next year or something like that. We'll see. Uh, we're running low on our Zoom time here, but we'll get a couple quick questions in. The first one is from Kui Chi, and Kui Chi wants to know, how do you think the salary cap's going to be affected whenever hockey does come back? So we'll start with you, Ryan. Well, I think it's going to go down because of all the lost revenue. And, you know, you don't have that new American television contract yet. You don't have Seattle expansion yet. So I wouldn't be surprised if we're looking at $80 million as a cap, maybe even a little less. Maybe it goes down to 79 or 78 mm -hmm. And Kenny? Yeah, I mean, they projected it to be between 84 and 88 um, when, you know, when, when things were – 
quote unquote normal. Um, I think 88 was a little optimistic and, and I think that would have triggered the 5% inflator, which I don't think the NHLPA was interested in doing because then it would have, it would have triggered more escrow. Um, so now you're looking at a best case scenario of 84 with fewer revenues, you know, who knows where it's going to go. Um, you know, I mean, so what's going to happen now? Are we going to see, you know, are, are they just going to say, okay, let's go with it. Let's go with the salary cap as it is. And then the players just get hammered on escrow. Um, or do we see, a, a, you know, a lowered salary cap, um, you know, maybe in the somewhere in the seventies, which would squeeze out a lot of people like free agents and, and, you know, like Alex Pietrangelo and Taylor Hall, and they might have trouble finding homes. You know, I mean, I could see a, I could see a situation where there are compliance buyouts again, where there's going to be a compliance buyout period. So you can buy out some of those contracts that are, 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 uh, you know, onerous and, and free up some cap space. You know, maybe there's a rollback. Maybe there's a, a league-wide rollback. When they came back after 2004, 2005, there was a rollback that for uh, at least one year, I think maybe for a couple of years. So I can see a lot of different scenarios happening, but it's going to be based on lower revenues. Like there's just, I mean, it's just, they won't be able to recoup those revenues. Yeah, exactly. And I was going to say rollbacks as well. I think now uh, even even a flat cap of 81.5 million, I think is pretty optimistic. I think rollbacks are more likely. I don't think we're going to get, you know, the crazy rollbacks of 0405 and it was, you know, a cap of whatever it was at the time, 52 million or something, but we could see significant rollback. And I think the only way that teams are going to be able to get through that is with compliance buyouts, especially I was looking at, you know, certain teams like Tampa Bay and Toronto, that even if the cap stayed flat, they're screwed with the way they... Right juggle right. their situation uh so in a rollback those teams had already been huge trouble so they'd have to be allowed compliance buyouts to escape uh time for one more just really quick one uh this is from luke diamond he wants to know how we think the world junior championship is going to be affected uh I, i'll answer this one first i think the world juniors are more likely than anything else to be canceled again because an international tournament, you have people coming from all different nations, all different flights, all different airports. I think it's the highest risk. And again, with my theory of the inverse, right? The IHF was the first to start canceling stuff. Uh, so I think that means that they're probably going to be, I don't know, they've been very cautious uh, because they understand how many different nations have to come together. So I think they'll be just as cautious coming out. And I, I'd be shocked if we actually get a world juniors at all this coming year. Uh, Ryan, what do you think? Cynically, I think they'll play it because it's in Canada and the double IHF loves the revenue that comes with a Canadian World Juniors. It's so much bigger in terms of the money than it is in Europe just because of the amount they can charge for tickets. So I, I, I feel, at least right now, I, I think it's safe because we're talking about a tournament that's not going to happen until late December. But obviously, they would have to take a lot of precautions and you know, testing of all the players and staff coming in would have to be done before anything could be established. But I feel that it's far enough away that if they can pull it off, they'll want to. And Kenny, uh, finish it off here. I, I think it, it basically depends on, on how willing people are to stay home to be honest with you. I, I really think that, you know, this flattening the curve and, and, and we're, we're going to, you know, in North America, as, as Ryan said, it's in North America. So that's, that's going to be a big factor. Um, but in North America, the, it, it, how we come out of this is going to be dictated by 
how many people decide to actually stay home and and not and and do social distancing and if people do it on mass and and uh, and and we can speed up this process then maybe there's a chance it, it it's played but there's also a very good chance i think that we go into late 2019 early 2020 where this is still something that we have to deal with and and i think i i mean from what i've been seeing a lot of experts are saying yeah it may die out in the summer but then you might have another spike in the fall so right. if that happens then you know i, I think it's screwed um so i i i think it i really think it depends on i think people are gonna are gonna determine whether or not this happens because they're the ones who are going to determine when and how well uh we come out of this fair well, thanks, guys. Uh, we're almost out of time now, so uh, hopefully we get to see each other soon, do this again soon. Before we go, just want to give a very quick shout-out to Stephen Ellis, our producer. This is his last podcast with us. He's going to be leaving us. Tough times all around right now. We love you, Stephen. Thank you for all your help, and it's going to be worse without you. I don't doubt it. Thanks, guys. <laughs>